0: Welcome to the Nine Moms Podcast. My name is Phineas and this is my mama's podcast and and here she is.
1: Hi guys, before we get into today's episode, here are a few little ways that you can support this podcast and the recording of all these beautiful birth stories you can go to instagram and follow me at nine months podcast you can give me some likes there and if you are listening in to the podcast on your phone you can take a screenshot and share that you are listening to that episode with me and tag me in it at nine months podcast and i will reshare and we can help spread the word that the podcast exists to other people you can head to patreon.com slash nine months podcast and become a patron there and help me support the work that i do here you can also head to asana this is a s a n a etc.com which is an online platform of yoga movement and meditation that I also run and on that platform there is prenatal and postpartum yoga videos that you can practice with with me um, that are pre-recorded and you can use the promo code ILOVEYOGA one word capital letters for 30-day free trial so Please go ahead and support me any way that you can so I can continue doing this beautiful work for this community. Uh, and please don't hesitate to reach out if you have any comments or any, any feedback or any reviews for me. Please go to the um, apps where you listen to the pod and give me a rating there or send me a message at the nine months podcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening. And now let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Nine Months Podcast. It's episode number 46 today, and I'm happy to be back in your ears, in your headphones, in your speakers, wherever you're listening. Um, It's raining outside today, I have a home office day today which is quite nice because usually I run around all day long just to different places and teaching classes and stuff but today I get to just be in my office which for some people might not be so great but for me it feels really nice to just be able to be here and be present with the things that I'm doing. Um, I've received quite a lot of feedback from you guys from my episode from last week. Thank you so much for reaching out. I really appreciate it. I was really, really uh, nervous about putting that episode out and I really don't want it or I, I didn't want it to come off as like, everybody should have a home birth and this is the way you should do it. Um, I'm really, really, um, focused on the fact that all births are, are beautiful and we do get to choose to birth the way that we want to and the way that we feel is comfortable for us and that's what was comfortable for me and I think reflecting on it this past week I've been thinking about how how um scared I was <laughs> And I didn't really realize it until I spoke this birth story out loud that I was really, really uh, anxious that whole time. Um, And it was really hard for me to to find comfort and relax into that pregnancy and birth and postpartum. And um, that has like uh, there's a lot of topics in my head that have come up that I think will be speaking at a little bit more on the podcast so um my friend Vinuta and I uh Vinuta has her um episode also and I forget which one it is but it's uh one of the earlier ones you can check it in the directory um we were speaking about postpartum quite a lot, and 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 the difficulties and the and the change that we go through, and and we will be soon putting together an episode where we talk a little bit about postpartum health and things that come up and things that we can do to support ourselves better. So that's exciting. Um, so speaking Avi's story out loud has made me think about other ways maybe that I can. Be of service and support other birthing people out there. I hope we are also still planning this birth course with my friend Alex. And I noticed some of you guys started following us on Instagram. And that's really sweet that that you're actually listening and, and hearing hearing that. We're doing things and very supportive, so there's nothing there yet. But if you want to to go follow us to get the news when they're out, it's the Birth Collective Cz on Instagram. Um, you can go there and follow us if you want to to hear more about this birth course that's coming up, and we're also planning a prenatal, um, postpartum yoga teacher training long weekend in the fall which is also very exciting so there's lots of things brewing and I'm very excited to do this work it is um, it's very rewarding and it's very uh, helpful for my soul to be able to share what I know um, about these things so um, so yeah I'll keep your eyes peeled for, or your ears peeled, I should say. This is audio, isn't it? Uh, for any news around that. Um, and for today's story, uh, we are going to be hearing from Carly. And I reached out to Carly because she um, she had a VBAC here in Prague. And I've been asked many times to to record a story that was a successful back because a lot of people out there are, are needing information around how to go about that. So, so this one's very interesting and it's actually going to be the first time that I cut the episode into two pieces because we had such a long chat and it was a very very long almost two hours of information and story so Carly is going to be sharing her birth with her first baby Santiago today and then next week you guys are going to get to hear the VBAC story with her daughter Rosie so without further ado I'm gonna let Carly do all the talking from here so welcome to the podcast Carly so hi Carly and welcome to the nine months podcast it's so nice to have you on today
0: yeah nice to be with you Lisa thanks for inviting me
1: great do you want to start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and and who's in your family
0: yeah so um my name is Carly I'm from the U.S. I'm from California and um I met my Czech husband in Hong Kong when we were both studying abroad um, 12 years ago. Um, So it's myself, um, my husband Andra, and then we have our boy Santiago is almost four. And then we have our little girl Rosie, who is almost one. So we've got a three-year gap between the two. That was kind of the idea, you know, the plan. Um, And so, yeah, we're, we're figuring out. How to be a family of four.
1: Ah, those are beautiful names too.
0: <laughs> ah, thank you. Yeah. We we kind of joke that Santiago will have to learn Spanish someday just because yeah. <laughs> the, the poor kid has such an obviously Spanish name and nobody speaks Spanish in the family. So that's his uh, his burden.
1: Yeah, exactly. That'll be his uh his motivation to learn, maybe. <laughs> exactly. Oh, great. So um, let's start then with your journey to becoming pregnant the first time. Did you guys plan to have a baby or and how did you find out that you were pregnant?
0: Yeah, we, we planned. Um, we knew that we wanted to travel the world before we had kids. So we got married in 2015 and we decided in 2016 to go travel the world for about 15 months Um, so we quit our jobs and we packed a backpack and we went around the world Uh, this was pre-covid so we're very happy that we decided to do this when we did it Um, and so that was kind of the vision is let's go travel for a year and we'll get pregnant um, either towards the end or maybe when we're back and that's what we did so we got pregnant um, at the very end of our year journey, and we ended our year journey in the states. Um, so we we like to joke that we, we tend to um, get pregnant in the national parks of the United States during pandemics, because with Santiago um, there was Zika spreading around South America, and so we were we were nervous to get pregnant because of Zika, because that was directly and specifically impacting fetuses. Um, and so we kind of hesitated, oh God, okay, Zika, all right, let's clear South America first and then then we can try to get pregnant. Um so we um yeah, we conceived there in Utah and ah, then we we still we weren't completely done traveling. Um we went and volunteered in Louisiana at this, uh, it's a really cool NGO that we learned about on our travels. We we volunteered with them in Nepal. We volunteered with them in Peru. Um, they do disaster recovery. And so we went to go help with the hurricane response in Louisiana. And, um, you know, you're doing manual labor. You're, in Louisiana, we were rebuilding houses. And you also have to do all the cleaning and the cooking. And so I thought it would be super romantic to tell Andra that I was pregnant as we were cleaning the common bathrooms. Oh. So we were we were we were mopping like you know, kind of like porta potty style mm. toilets. And mm-hmm. I told him. I think I I I think I had the pregnancy test, and I just kind of passed it over to him. And, Told, told him to check it out so it was oh, a surprise cute. but we, we were <laughs> we were trying so it wasn't too much of a surprise um and so yeah that was that was how we found out about our little Santiago <laughs>
1: oh that sounds really great so how was your pregnancy then uh when did you guys I guess come to Prague is that where you went next and and yeah. the pregnancy
0: yeah yeah so then We flew home when I was, I guess, probably maybe two months pregnant. I wanted to get home and, you know, not really be flying around too much and just kind of settle. Um, So, yeah, I came back to Prague and and I had a pretty happy and healthy pregnancy. I didn't have any morning sickness, thank God, because um, I've heard that's horrible. So I was kind of anticipating that and it never came. Um, So that was great. Um, but I did have gestational diabetes, actually, with both of the kids. And so that um, – it, it was a scary diagnosis with Santiago because I had never heard of it, and I was diagnosed late. And I was just I, – I, I don't know. I, I just didn't know what to do, what was going to happen. And um, mm-hmm. on top of the kind of fear of the unknown – it's a really hard diet that you have to keep. Um, and so that was a challenge kind of learning all of the restrictions and not just the restrictions, but you have to set a timer to wake up, to test your blood and to eat breakfast and then test again. So, um, Hmm. testing my blood four times a day. Um, and just, yeah, just kind of having, having that concern, um, with me throughout it, but, um, it, it turned out fine. And, um, that was probably the biggest challenge of, of going through pregnancy because other than that, um, it, it was a great experience.
1: And when did you find out that you had gestational diabetes?
0: I actually found out quite late. Um, I think you're supposed to be tested around like week 21 to 24. Mm. And, You know, I know it's it's always it's you know it's your responsibility to know all the tests and what's going on, but I had never heard of it, and my gynecologist didn't tell me about it until I think week twenty five. He said, "Oh yeah, by the way, you're supposed to do this test," and I thought, "Oh okay, whatever, you do tests all the time." Mm -hmm. And then a week later, or maybe even a week and a half later, I. He calls and goes, "Oh yeah, so you have gestational diabetes," and then I started to research it, and I got I got pretty upset because um, I felt, you know, even though it's it's my responsibility, I I was quite upset with my gynecologist that he um, didn't test me at the right time. Um, so now when I meet pregnant women, I go, do you know about gestational diabetes? It's okay. You don't need to be afraid. But if you have it, call me. I've got a ton of recipes and <laughs> you know, I, I can help you. I can help you with an eating plan um, just because it's 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 okay if you manage it and can deal with it. But it was just scary not knowing about it and being, being tested late for it. So with Rosie, I, I anticipated it. I assumed I would have it. And so I made sure to get tested early and, you know, sure enough, I did. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And what, what kind of um, birth were you planning for, for your first? Um, and what kind of system did you choose to go through? You mentioned your doctor there. But did you have a midwife or a doula or, or anything around you like that? Yeah.
0: So I kind of, when, for my first birth, I just thought that labor and birth was just this horrible thing that you just had to get through. And every woman gets through it was kind of my thinking of, okay, my mom did it. My sister did it. All these women, everyone who's ever (laughs) lived has had a woman who's done it for them. so it's, it's, it's not beautiful. It's not nice. It's just a thing that I'm going to do. And my body knows how to do it. You know, I was kind of thinking women are built for it and it's just going to happen. And I wasn't expecting anything beautiful or magical. I kind of didn't believe in that. I thought eh, it's going to suck and it's going to be horrible and you're just going to do it. And so I, I didn't plan because I think I had that, that mindset. A C-section didn't even cross my mind. I didn't know of the concept of a stalled labor. I and I think that's just because the women in my life had never they didn't have that. My mom and my sister both, you know, kind of got contractions and went and had a baby. Mm. <laughs> so I I think that I I just accepted it as a horrible burden of women and it was going to happen one way or another. I just didn't realize that one way or another could be a stalled labor which is what I had and then Mm. and in uh, a c-section right so I had my my husband and my mom with me at at the birth Mm.
1: and so how um when did your birth start how how late were you in in your term
0: and everything or did it start on its own yeah well it um it kind of started on its own I was very scared of being induced. Um, I had heard horror stories of induction, and so I thought, okay, I'm going to do what I can to make this baby come, you know, naturally, but kind of, you know, stimulate it. Um, I was also scared because they say with gestational diabetes, they don't let you carry too much further past your term or else they, of course, they can't make you do anything, but they recommend you to go for induction. And so I thought, okay, what can I do to avoid induction? And so I thought, well, the first easiest step is to have sex. And so on um, Santiago's due date, I thought, okay, it's the due date. The countdown to induction is on. (laughs) Andra, get ready. (laughs) This is your part. Um, and so we had sex, and a couple hours later, my water broke, and so I thought, okay, it worked. I, I was super excited. Um, okay, let's go to the hospital. My water broke, and I guess, I guess this is the beginning. Um, but that was on that was the night of July seventeenth, and Santiago was born on the morning of July twenty-first. So, yeah, so, um, I had several days of, of, um, nothing they, they waited about, um, I think they let me wait about 18 hours to see if anything would start naturally. Um, but I didn't have any contractions. There was no movement, no dilation, no contractions. Um, but once your water breaks after a certain amount of time, they, they like to put you, um, on, a, on an IV and give you antibiotics um, to protect the baby. So you're physically connected to an IV for most of, of or for a, you know, a significant part of the day. Um, and so they did a slow induction. So um, it started with vaginal pills um, and weight and then some more and then weight. And finally on the night of the 20th, so this was like more than two full days later, I started to, to slowly uh, get contractions. And so once the contractions became strong enough and close enough, they said that I could start on oxytocin. Um, and so I started on oxytocin and I just wasn't opening. I think after the entire experience and two rounds of oxytocin, I was two centimeters at best, um, and so yeah, my body just um, was wasn't wasn't interested, um, mm. and so eventually, um, the the midwife suggested that we should go for a cesarean because the labor's just not progressing, and. Luckily, uh, Santiago was fine. He wasn't a distressed baby. So it was really more about my well-being. I think that if I would have said, "No, give me another round of oxytocin, let's see." I think they would have, But mm. I had been there for days. Every night, a new woman was in my bedroom going into labor. Uh, you know, this this was at Poli um, you know, sharing, sharing a room in the, in the pre-labor ward. And so I was running on, I don't know, hand handful of hours of sleep over the course of several days. Um, and so when they suggested a cesarean, I said, please, please, please make this end. And, um, I actually had a very good experience with the, the C-section, Um, the doctors were I remember them being super like jovial and just very like they were kind of laughing and I I didn't understand everything that was happening because I wasn't focusing and it was happening in check but um, I just remember their their upbeat mood gave me a lot of confidence and I was like oh wow these people know exactly what they're doing this is not a big deal at all and I think it took 15 minutes. I didn't feel any pain and he was born and I could relax and it was done with. So um, I actually had a, uh, maybe it was just in a direct comparison to the agony I had just experienced, but Mm -hmm. the C-section was like the saving grace of, Oh, that was beautiful. Okay. Perfect. Over. Now we can move on. I don't even (laughs) care what's next. It can't be (laughs) what it just was. So um, oh
1: that's really it, nice it
0: uh, somehow worked itself out
1: yeah and how was it then um just the immediate postpartum after having a c-section did you get to see Santiago or did they take him to the to the nursery or how was
0: all of that yeah they um they they took him away and I was actually okay with it you know I I've, I hear from a lot of women um, they're always looking for oh, which hospital doesn't keep you in the ICU for 24 hours? And I totally respect that. That's that's uh, every woman's different. For me, I I knew that Santiago was healthy, and I was very fortunate to know that you know my husband was with him. And the he's he's pretty good at talking his way around um, bureaucrats and nurses and doctors. So he, <laughs> he you know he forced his way in and made them let him hold him and and be with him and just sit with him. And so I think that helped a little bit that he's, you know, I don't know, charismatic slash forceful Czech man (laughs) who (laughs) made his way into the baby room to be with Santiago. So I just kind of felt good knowing that he's fine. Everything's fine and I'm fine. And I'm just going to lay here and sleep or stare at a wall. And so I was just I was stoked in my yeah. <laughs> in my bed with what I kind of ironically felt like I had no responsibility. And the nurses would bring him to me every, um, I think every three hours and we would breastfeed um, and then they'd take him back. And so I was always anticipating and I was excited for, you know, when he's going to show up and I get to breastfeed him. Um, but besides that, I, I was very happy to be in my own little room. Actually, nobody else was in the ICU, it was just me. And um, I got to relax. (laughs) Um, And I remember being very surprised that they wanted me to stand up Um, quite quickly. I think it was maybe the next morning. So maybe it had been just under 24 hours. And they said, yep, stand up, go take a shower. And I was like, "Oh God, you want me to stand up? Okay, but um, you 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 can." <laughs> um, and so I did it. I stood. I took a shower, and then they said, "Okay, we're going to move you um, out of the ICU and we'll put you in the the normal maternity ward." And um, I think for the first maybe the first night or two. They still kept Santiago with the nurses just a couple of doors down. And still, I was grateful for that. Um, I wasn't quite ready to have him. And I think it was maybe, it was either the second or third night, they said, okay, we're, we're going to give you Santiago for full, full time now. And I kind of looked at the nurse and I said, I don't think I'm ready. Just, I wasn't able to stand confidently and move confidently. I had to use, you know, the bar above the bed to be able to pull myself up. And so I thought, how, how the hell am I going to care for this, this little, this little thing all by myself when I've just had major surgery? And the nurse told me, she said, I had a C-section too. And the best recovery for yourself is to just be with your baby, to hold your baby. He's the perfect weight. This is exactly what you should be carrying now. So I think you should take him. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll take him. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was fine. I, we, we, we did really well. And I had a very nice roommate who um, kind of helped translate things when she could tell I was very confused. Mm. Um, so, so overall, the... The experience in the hospital I think was was quite good in the end.
1: That's really nice.
0: And how was it coming home with
1: a new baby? Yeah,
0: and then coming home with a new baby it was it, it was it was great and I also remember the first couple of weeks and probably even months feeling like groundhog's day. I mm-hmm. couldn't distinguish Between the days, (laughs) Um, and I notice, (laughs) yeah, and I and I I didn't feel that way with Rosie. I feel like um, the sleep deprivation feels more normal, which is a little bit depressing and sad. (laughs) um, I remember being really, really affected by the lack of sleep uh, with my first first baby and breastfeeding around the clock and just being zoned out and we actually um we did the whole maternity leave a bit different than most my husband took maternity leave and I worked um but I work I am a marketing consultant and I work um I I freelance and kind of take on clients as I want to and as I feel. Um, And so it worked out really nicely that um, Andra got to be at home with us. And, you know, I, I wasn't working full time or even part time and all my clients knew what, (laughs) what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would work, I would take a call or get a couple hours to myself. I mean, to myself, meaning to work. But um, it was really nice to have a mind switch that I knew I got to go to, that I was absolutely not mom for an hour or two because I was the professional business consultant, Carly. (laughs) Um, And so actually, um, it was a really nice way for me to I think enter motherhood was to not like get sunk in it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just to have um, my husband at home for the first six months and kind of like become a family all together, I think yeah. was a really, really cool experience for him, for me. Um, I mean, Santiago doesn't remember, but of course, I think it more built their bond also. So that, that was a really special introduction that I think most families don't even consider really. Yeah. I, I don't really remember exactly how we came to it, but, um, in the Czech Republic, um, either parent has the right to take maternity leave and it's, it's called maternity leave, no matter who takes it. Actually, it's, it's not fatherly leave. Uh, that's like the 10 day thing. And I, I heard maybe that's expanding to more, but, um, Either parent can take it and um, get their pay from their employer. Yeah. So we went for it.
1: That's really nice. That's really nice to hear. I think that's the first that I've heard on this podcast. I'm um, I'm from Sweden originally, and there it's like it's really normal. And even even a few months of the of the leave is actually reserved for the partner. So mm-hmm. as as the the birthing parent, you can't take those months away from your partner even if you Mm -hmm. wanted to so it's really nice
0: that's nice to hear (laughs) yeah it's it's possible you've got to convince people that it's possible but it it really is part of the law (laughs) so it's uh you can you can fall back on that you know no matter what employers say it's it's absolutely um your right to take it so
1: I should dive deeper into this and, and do some research and uh, put it out yes. there. <laughs> yes,
0: absolutely. I, I, those, I spread the word on gestational diabetes and maternity leave for Great. fathers. <laughs>
1: That's wonderful. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Is there anything else, Carly, you'd like to share from Santiago's um, experience?
0: I don't think so. Um, no. No. No nope. good pregnancy, <laughs> good pregnancy, terrible birth, um, but um, we had it. We had a good time. He was a great breastfeeder. Mm-hmm. I feel like I appreciate that more now because Rosie is um, not the best eater, and so I go, oh Santiago, he was such like a little lover on the boob. He was like he would <laughs> eat in these like long, drawn out twenty minute sessions every three hours. We we. We, we kind of, we did not we did not breastfeed on demand with Santiago. And I think that also helped facilitate our setup with Andra taking, you know, a, a bigger role than maybe a lot of new fathers do um, and allowing me to work. It, it really helped that we had this breastfeeding schedule. Um, so I knew that, okay, the next three hours, anybody could take care of Santiago in theory. It's not, it's not just me i know that i'm the next three hours can be i can sleep i can work i can go for a walk but i know that um his needs are going to be met by a non-breastfeeding parent
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's really nice actually that's really nice (laughs) yeah all right, so i'm going to cut this episode right there because we are about to get into Rosie's birth story after this, so it's a little bit of abrupt uh, ending, but uh, I'll keep you guys on your toes for next week's episode, which is going to be a little bit longer, and we'll get into part two of Carly's birth story. Thank you guys so much for listening in today. Please make sure that you go ahead and follow me on the nine months podcast no that's nine months podcast on instagram so no the just nine months podcast and if you have any questions or if you'd like to share your birth story on the pod please reach out to me on the nine months podcast at gmail.com have a wonderful week ahead guys
0: and see you next week